Namaste. This is a prayer of May 10th, 1914. And before we start, always we will see this is something very beautiful, like a main refrain in her writings. At one place she advises, we get so much worked up when things are happening, this is happening, this is taken away, that is gone. Mother says, step back from this whirl of things and see what is really, truly worth having. And then she says, it is divine peace, divine light, divine joy, divine love. Yes, we want it to be expressed in the world. That's the next step. But at least when we look at life, you know, there was a, uh, there is a nice line in the Gita, nice word, which took me some time to understand. Actually, it's, uh, it was somebody's name. Uh, one of the words is Aniket, without a house. So, in if you read uh, stories of ancient sages, there was one Rishi who is regarded as Aniket. But you know what he used to do? He used to carry those days, you know, that now we have now those travel vans you like houses you it's like a bus and you live in it and you can travel to any city it's a very nice concept huh? I know people who have done it for years so they go they live for a few days and they go to another place <laughs> I know actually a couple who did this for years in America of course here you can't do such crazy things huh? after some days some police wala will come with a stick and say where are you kaha hai kya hai paisa do <laughs> So, but also because populated, no? So, they did it, devotees of Madhra and Shurabindu. But that's not what Aniket means. Aniket is to dwell in the Lord, where you don't take that this is my dwelling. That is my dwelling. Because you are living in the Lord. So, wherever you go, is your dwelling. So, if you are living in a dwelling, and supposing you are on rent, and the person asks you rent. Don't say that this is not your dwelling, my dwelling. This is the Lord's dwelling. <laughs> but inwardly, it is a beautiful attitude to live in. That this is not mine. I am living always in the Lord. And when you live like that, then He arranges things in a beautiful way. So what is it really worth having? Always. That she is revealing to us. May 10th, 1914. It is thy sweet joy, O Lord, that fills my heart. This after she has come. To, to, she has met Shirobindo. And she is staying here. It is thy sweet joy, O Lord, that fills my heart. It is thy silent peace that reigns over my mind. Things which are worth having. All is repose, force, Concentration, light and serenity. And all that is without limits and without any division. So normally we get few moments of these things. But we can have access to infinity of peace, infinity of serenity. What it means is that any time, limitlessly in Utmost abundance, it is available to everyone. It's really so, so true. So why don't human beings have it? People often say, Bhagwan, thoda shanti de do. Shanti de do. Why? 
because they have never really tried for it. Even when they are asking for shanti, it is with great ashanti. It's like you are caught up in that whirlpool. I want some peace, some peace. That's not how peace comes. Peace loves the ways of peace. <laughs> so you have to just maybe even on the battlefield, peace, invoke peace, and then fight the battle. You'll fight much better because you'll have a good concentration. Fight everything, light, peace, every day. That's why these practices are there to open the door. Once the door is open, then there is no problem. First, it doesn't open. You call peace, 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 peace. After some time, people have a tendency to give up. But if you persist, sometimes you will feel a little trickle. Few drops of peace, nectar. Then this trickle changes into rain. Then the Niagara opens. Then the problem is you are so much at peace that nothing you can initiate in terms of work. This is also an experience. When you are drowned in the peace of the Lord, it can be so overwhelming that you just can't speak to anyone because it's so much deeply surrounding everything. If one goes through this phase, it becomes almost difficult even to engage in action. That's how people in, when Shobindu was in Alipur jail, he was so much in that infinity of the Lord that sometimes, of course he has written prison life and people don't know that, you know, people had to make an effort to bring him out. So to the only way he could be brought out of his inwardness was, if they will ask something like, in the Gita it is said or in the official, then he will come out. But they wanted to hear him. But nothing interested. So his state was such that people described that even if a nuclear bomb came and or a bomb fell and everything was blown up, it is like it will make no difference to his peace. That was the state of peace one can end. It's a very powerful thing. Peace is not peace of inaction. You know, you please don't make so much noise so that I can be at peace. Such a peace is not worth having. True peace. You know, mother says that no, when somebody was uh, doing carpentry work and the person complained that, you know, tell him not to do the work at this time because I am meditating. You see, when you are sitting around the samadhi, maximum sound is made from where? Don't talk, don't talk, switch off the mobiles. <laughs> <laughs> Have a heart. 10 minutes, haven't you seen? 10 minutes you have gone. <laughs> and you are hearing it all the time. From here, there, everywhere. <laughs> because the mind is not at peace. And the mind is at peace. <laughs> then nothing will matter. People have to learn to. So when this was asked to the mother, mother says, no, no, you tell him to continue the work. He doesn't know how to meditate. <laughs> this is not to say one should talk or do anything like that. It is simply to say that, you know, we have to deepen our concentration into peace in this way. Every place has its own, it is understood. But it is something we have to bathe in, get drenched in. This peace is very powerful. When it comes cascading down, everything loses interest. Food, everything that you are normally interested in. It's a very powerful experience. 
Mother and Shubindu have described this. Shubindu was one of the first experience of this pieces. He says, when I landed upon Apollo Bandha, a vast calm descended into me. And it never left him after that. Then the other is when after that Nirvana experience with Lili Maharaj, he has to give speeches. There are a number of speeches after that. There are speeches after that. He started the paper, Karmi Yogin and one more. So he had to start all this. So how to act? So he asked that I have to go and speak in Bombay. How do I act? He says, how do I speak? He says, nothing. Just tell the Lord within and speak. So you see the speeches after that. They carry that different flavor. So it is not this peace which is withdrawal from the world. It is the peace which is everywhere in the world. At one place she gives a very interesting and that's why you know, spaces of nature. Why do people go to different places of you know nature where you don't see human beings? So, if you go there, or nothing, this peace is everywhere. But the one of the simplest ways, watching the stars at night, the sky. See, after a time, you enter into the silence. Or any activity. You see, people are talking at home. Any, you are into a group. Animated discussion is going on. Don't take part in that animated discussion. Just stay quiet. After some time, you will enter into a silence which is even behind there. Even behind noise. Silence is the basis of all creation. But if we get engaged in the surface consciousness, then we will lose it. But if you just stay quiet, you will see that after... Don't take interest in what is going on. Then after some time, that animated discussion will become sounds, noises... And then after some time, these noises will go into the background and you will develop that deeper peace which will be there. And after some time, it becomes such a way of life that it, you can't lose it. I mean, no, not that one should try to lose it. But it will remain. And time to time, if you do enter into the surface consciousness and it is veiled for a while, you step back and it comes. It's easily accessible. So she says, without limits and without any division. By without any division means... It is not just for me and it's not just in a particular situation that I'll feel it. It is something that one carries everywhere because it is everywhere. Is it only the earth or the whole world that lives in me? I know not. But it is thou, O Lord, who dwellest in this consciousness and givest life to it. It is thou who seest Thou who knowest, thou who doest. So to live always in the consciousness that the divine is the sole reality. Even later on she says that when she is at the physical level, she says what is the solution to all the confusions and everything? Just see that there is only one reality, it is the divine. Everything else is an appearance, distorted, more or less, don't get into that. There is only one reality, the divine, and he is playing, he is manifesting himself. We are one little projection, wave of that manifestation. This is the Dvait Advait realization, no? Visishta Dvait realization. Then you experience that this is one wave manifesting, but the ocean is there, this wave returns. There are countless waves through which the one divine is expressing himself. It is thou alone whom I see everywhere. How beautiful it will be. And then she goes to the next level. See? 
you have the Alipur jail experience, no? Where Sri Aurobindo saw Sri Krishna everywhere. And we have nice talks on this. Uttarpada speech and you know, seeing the divine, such a big thing, wonderful thing. It's the highest state, Vasudevam Sarvamiti. See how the mother very unassumingly describes this. But going one step further, what is it that she is saying? It is thou alone whom I see everywhere. First of all, she is no more defining him in any particular mode. But she goes further, or rather there is no longer any I. All is one and this oneness, it is thou. Have you ever heard this prayer or a seminar on this prayer like you have on Uttarpada speech? Uttarpada speech is marvelous, no doubt. But look at this, look at the unassuming way she is describing an experience which is rarest of rare. Even only one Upanishad, if you go through the entire literature of, you know, Indian literature, you will see one experience where the Rishi of the Ish Upanishad said, Atme Bhud Vijanata, he who sees the one as, all things as the oneself. And the mother describes it so simply. So beautifully. Glory to thee, O Lord, Master of the world, thou shinest in everything. So, that's why Shurabindu said she had already entered the supermind through the main door. And you will see these experiences earlier also with the mother. She sees the divine in everything. Then she identifies with the divine in everything. She goes on to say that even in the atom, I find myself. What is this realization? <laughs> Literally, Atme Vabhud in the deepest sense. Atme Vabhud stops with the elements. But here she is going into the atoms. Shobindu's only one poem speaks of this experience, Electron, where he says the chariot of Shiva rides in that electron. Shiva rides in his fiery chariot. Everything is the divine. She knows it by. Then what is all this game about? So somebody will say, then what is this new manifestation? Everything is already divine. So the mother says, it is the Lord's play. It is from the lesser divine manifestation to the greater divine manifestation. That's all. This is a lesser divine manifestation. Those who are happy with it are fine. But then this lesser divine manifestation means this, this, all this that we are experiencing. From this, there is a greater divine manifestation. The Lord of tomorrow, the manifestation of tomorrow. So there are some who are not satisfied with this. They are not happy with thodi khushi, thoda gam. They want... All the time, <laughs> Mere Sanam, <laughs> Anandam, Manandam, Anandam, Brahmeti. They are not happy with, why should there be little happiness, little sorrow? What kind of a compromise is this? There should be no suffering. This idea, there must be suffering, our karma, somebody has done this. This is the most absurd idea in God's creation to there should be sorrow and suffering. There should not be. It is, it's a fact. But there should not be is the aspiration we should carry. So in this manifestation of which man is presently a part, there will be little suffering, little joy and through this we will realize the divine. But in the new 
manifestation, what does he say? Or the Lord says, experience ran from point to point of joy. Freedom to greater freedom. Isn't that worth it? So that is a new manifestation. There is no ignorance. The mind of light is there. Right now there is some knowledge, ignorance, error, all this. So this is our present stage. This is also the divine play, but an inferior play. So it's like when you are ready, but you can't skip the stage. You can't say, okay, okay, quickly take me to the next level. You know what happened that story, no? 36 Chamber of Shaolin. Seen the movie. Amazing film. So here is a man who has, you know, I am not promoting this picture, but if you download it, please send it to me. Long back I had seen it. So, (laughs) so, in this movie, there is a boy who has seen some Kung Fu people who have killed his intimate someone. And he is feeling very heartbroken. So, he wants to take revenge. It starts with it. And he is told that this kind of an art and something greater which can beat all these fellows, you have to go to Shaolin temple. And, you know, there used to be these martial art like our Kalari Pattu and many of these were practiced by the monks. Ping Pong. Lati, because they had to be, you know, strong with a robust vitality. The world was not always a favorable world. They knew the Shastra Vidya, Astra Vidya, all of them knew this. It was not like today's idea of monkhood, I'll wear a sannyasi cloth and sit like that. They were warriors. They could defend themselves and defend a whole ashram by occult powers and by real weaponry also. So this man goes to their, to this place. So he is admitted and he says, okay, you want to learn, alright. So, start from day one. So, there are 36 chambers. So He says, okay, first chamber. First chamber is nothing. You just observe what is happening, nothing. Then you have to just pick up some load and go, you know, two poles of water, filled with water. And you should not fall. So, all around there are logs floating in the water. And you have to go from one log to another and you should not fall in the water. So that's so he gets bored. He says, What is this? I have come to learn Kung Fu. I don't have time. I want the highest. You want the highest, so you can't have to go through this. His mentor tells him, Everybody has a mentor. So one day he says, What is this? Why can't I go? Somebody, some people say, No, divine should be available for everybody. Divine knowledge, everything. Supramental world, everybody should have it. Yes, true. He also believes. Democracy. Communism. Everybody should have everything. So why divine knowledge should be privilege of a few? Everybody should have it. So one day when everybody is sleeping, he says, I'll go to the 36th chamber. What is there? I have to only climb a flight of stairs. So he quietly, stealthily goes. And when he goes to the 35th chamber, there are, he sees that there is an old monk, bearded monk, who is reading some text and all the old people are sitting there. So he thinks that, what are these people doing, you know? I have to come here to learn. So he tells the old monk, he excuse me, I, I, you know, I want to learn so nothing. Nobody gives, pays any heed to him. So he gets very irritated. So he goes near the old monk and says, excuse me. Then he lifts his eyes and simply does just a little phunk. And he falls right down to the first level. He says, what was it? 
He can't believe that simply a bit of air released from his mouth had the power to smash him down. He says, yes, you can't get it just like that. So the human play is to reach the next level of the game. You can't bypass it. Shobindu says, even in the Gita, if you are not ready to go through the battlefield of Kurukshetra, you will not, you don't deserve the vision of the Lord on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. So there is no shortcut. If you want a shortcut, then there is different kinds of nirvana, including nirvana bars and nirvana restaurant where you can satisfy yourself. I had nirvana. I went to nirvana and came back. So that's, uh, that's not the issue. But if you want to, there are these different levels, even animal level. So divine does not judge it like that. Somebody says, no, I want to live by my marji. So what? I am like an animal. I'll... So he says, fine, no issue. So what is the animal world? You pray and you are prayed upon. One day somebody will pray upon you. It may be a virus, doesn't matter. Then you don't say, oh, I am a human being. Suddenly you wake up that I am at least a human being. You have lived like an animal. What happens to an asura? He collapses under his own ego. So for each level of manifestation, there is a law that operates. And according to that law, the divine appears. For the rakshasa, the divine appears as Kali, whom he worships as the Rakshasi. See, because Asura doesn't understand the effulgent form of the Divine Mother. He understands this. So all these you will see, they want Kali. Why? Because they think, ah, this is the ultimate power. Rudra, they worship Rudra, Shiva the Mighty. So at each level of manifestation, we have a corresponding rules of the play. If you are at the level of the animal, you can't say change all the rules for me and suddenly whatever I demand and wish you fulfill. Excuse me, <laughs> there is a state in which everything happens like that, but not here. So you have to go to the next level and next level. So she is teaching us about that, the highest level where there is nothing else but thou. When you reach that level, then thought is enough. Even without that, everything spontaneously begins to express the divine law in life. Why? Because you are living in the consciousness of the divine all the time. Nothing will happen in your life which is not an expression of the divine law. It may not be understood by anyone around. But this is the law of the divine that if we live all the time in the consciousness of the divine, Mother says, then the very best happens to those who live in the Highest consciousness of the divine. It also answers this question when people ask, is everything that happens is the expression of the divine? Is because of the divine will? She says, no, it's not like that. Yes, whatever happened was the best that could happen according to the circumstances. But it could be a better than this best. It's not that this is only which could happen. Something better could have happened. An intervention could have taken place. Last minute, one little change and intervention could change the fixed course of things. But in that circumstance, not circumstance, in that state of consciousness, only this could happen. Some people ask this. He was a devotee. He had corona. He died. It's not about being devotee. I mean, these are not things which are relevant from the inner perspective. Nobody carries the stamp of a devotee or a disciple. That stamp, if if there is one, it is only known to the Lord and to the soul. No, not to the surface mind. 
one doesn't become a devotee by every day going and you know visiting a place and doing pranam one becomes a devotee by being devoted to the lord devoted means what is called as avyabhicharini bhakti nishtha the lord is my all when you live with that consciousness then what can trouble but when we don't live with that consciousness we may believe i am a devotee okay believe it that belief has some effect but the real thing is to live so she is takes us to that ultimate level where all is the lord glory to thee o lord master of the world thou shinest in everything i'll read this again may 10th 1914 it is thy sweet joy o lord that fills my heart the joy of the lord it is thy silent peace that reigns over my mind the peace of the lord all is repose supreme rest blessedness force not a repose which is devoid of power force concentration light and serenity and all that is without limits and without any division is it only the earth or the whole world that lives in me i know not but it is thou o lord who dwellest in this consciousness and givest life to it it is thou who seest thou who knowest thou who doest the only real this realization this part first part that you ever find anywhere in the entire scriptures is the bhagavad gita where in chapter 11 shri krishna shows that form where he says that everything is in within me so she says the world living within me or i have become this world it is thou alone whom i see everywhere or rather there is no longer any i all is one and this oneness it is thou glory to thee o lord master of the world thou shinest in everything it is thou alone whom i see everywhere or rather there is no longer any i all is one and this oneness it is thou glory to thee o lord master of the world thou shinest in everything thou shinest in everything namaste